This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv. Good day and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 88, recorded on the 23rd of March, 2016. On today's show, debriefing your day at camp. If you would like easy, automatic, free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe in iTunes or use the free Stitcher app. This week's Camp Hacker podcast is sponsored by GoCamp Pro. In a lot of ways, GoCamp Pro was built for directors just like you, people doing it all themselves. We designed this by asking ourselves, what resources do we wish that we had during our time as directors? The material will be helpful to those in their first five to seven years of directing, but so much of it fits for camp directors who are looking for ways to make their camp life easier. To join, go to gocamp.pro. And this week's podcast is sponsored in part by camp pros like you who support the show on Patreon. If you've got even one good idea from the Camp Hacker podcast, you can show your support for the show for as little as $1 per episode. We've got some great rewards too, just like a Kickstarter campaign. Please go to patreon.com forward slash camphacker. We hope you enjoy the Camp Hacker show. Hello, Camp Pros, and welcome to the Camp Hacker podcast. My name is Travis Allison. I'm one of the co-founders of Go Camp Pro, and uh, we also do more podcasts and blogging, uh, anything that will help Camp Pros do their job better at camphacker.tv. My name is Joe Richards. I'm the executive director at Pierce Williams Christian Center, which is a, a part of the United Church of Canada summer camp and retreat program. We are located about halfway between uh, Detroit and Toronto in Ontario. I'm Jaleesa Danhoff, and I am the assistant director at Camp Nuego, which is an all-girls camp in West Michigan entering its 90th year. We're open year-round, and we have eight full-time staff, and we run a UBI of weddings and caterings all year long. My name is Laura Kriegel, and I am the director at Camp Stomping Ground. We are located in central New York, uh, right near Binghamton, um, and this is our second summer running, so we're a startup nonprofit summer camp. And I'm Paul Sheridan. I'm the exec- executive director at Four Winds Westward Ho. Uh, we're a traditional co-ed nonprofit uh, sleepaway camp on Orcas Island in Washington State, and we are also entering our 90th year. Amazing. Amazing. Well, welcome back, Paul. It's so great to have you. Thank you. It's good to be back. It's good. Um, the That we haven't had you back this year is not a reflection on how we feel about your podcasting. It's just <laughs> that we haven't done enough shows this year. <laughs> so it's no great worries. to have you back. Um, we're going to count up and see. We, Paul must be approaching his 10th podcast pretty soon with us. So it's great to have be here, Paul. Thank you. It's always fun. I love it. Right on. Um, and Laura was the, one of our co-founders in GoCamp Pro, but um, wanted to have Laura on because we are so excited about the stuff that they're doing at Stomping Ground and really pushing the envelope of what camp is and um, being so incredibly intentional of, about the product. And uh, so, Laura, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Travis. We're, I'm happy to be back. Right on. And um, so, Laura, the... What I wanted to get just in a couple of seconds is why why you started Stomping Ground. What was what was why start fresh? <clears throat> sure, um, uh, Jack, my partner, and I we had a chance to visit over a hundred summer camps um, in the the few summers, two three summers after graduating from college. We visited 
programs that completely broke the mold of what we thought was possible um, in camping um, and working with kids. And again and again, we were inspired and um, got to meet some really compassionate people um, doing really intentional things. And so I think the impetus for Stomping Ground came from the idea that we wanted to see if it was possible to uh, work with kids in an environment where we gave them um, time to, to really dive into free play um, and stretch their own um, autonomy in a safe, comfortable, nurturing space. Um, so at camp, we try and remove as much of the rules for adult convenience as possible um, and focus on powering with kids instead of powering over them. Um, and in practicality, that looks like a lot of choice, um, a lot of counselors narrating for kids um, throughout the day, kind of what's happening. Um, and I think we, we're embracing the fact that we're an emerging organization. Um, so things are going to change. Um, things are going to shift and mold. And um, we're going to try lots of new things um, and see what works and what doesn't. Um, and we hope to be uh, very vulnerable and open and transparent with the rest of the camping findings. Yeah. That's awesome. And um, there's so many great things going on. I want to pick up on just one thing you said. Um, what did you mean by rules that are convenient for adults? I think in a lot of um, spaces, we know that kids learn best from making decisions rather than following directions, um, especially in summer camp. We don't have to follow the, the rules and guidelines of um, set out by public schools or really large institutions. Um, but there are just some conventional wisdoms around like solving conflicts for kids or um, deciding kind of from top down mentality, like who's right and who's wrong in situations. Um, so what we're going to try at camp is to, um, to take away some of those top down rules um, and create an environment um, where kids have a transparent understanding of why those rules exist. Right. Right on. And um, as Joe has so often said that they have a, a one-sentence job description at Pierce Williams, the one thing that I've heard you say that always sticks in my brain that so sums up Stomping Ground to me is that the counselor's job is to figure out how to say yes to kids. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Right on. Well, Laura, it's great to have you back on the show and, um, and to talk camp with you as always. Thank uh -huh. you. Okay. Julissa, thank you for, for being here, for being part of the Camp Hacker podcast. Thanks. I'm really excited. This right was on. like a career goal of mine. But now <laughs> afterwards, there's no nowhere to go from here. This is it. Uh, yeah. Um it, well, it, listen, it, you've uh, you've been a great supporter of the show and uh, for for us in general. And so it's a, a pleasure to have you on um, after hearing so many smart things from you um, well, at conferences and things. And then also having the conversation with the EOT crew on the blab.im that we did a couple weeks ago. I thought, yeah, I need to make sure I get Jaleesa on the show more often start to get Jaleesa on the show more often. Right. So welcome here. Um, tell me a bit um, about the Foundation of Nuevo, how it got started and why. We were formerly a YWCA camp uh, starting in 1926. And then in 1990, camp was sold. It was uh, starting to be logged. And our current executive director actually stood in front of the logging truck to prevent camp being logged. 
the camp alumni got word that camp was being sold and was going to be built into like waterfront mansions and rose up like a phoenix from the ashes to buy back Camp Nuevo in a very short amount of time. And then they then gifted Camp Nuevo to a local not-for-profit called True North. And True North is like a one-stop shop for all of your uh, needs. It's got like a food pantry and does heat and energy. It's like a $33 million Google of nonprofits is is the way that we talk about it. And the CEO of True North is the former director of Camp Nuevo. She was the director here for 30 years. So it's a wonderful parent organization for us to be involved with. So we're an independent, not-for-profit camp, but with traditions that go back to 1926. So it's this beautiful blend of like autonomy and history where we're really free, much like Pierce Williams is, to implement any program we want or any idea we have, we just do it, and there's no red tape, there's no bureaucracy. It is delightful. Um, And part of what's made us so successful is our lodge renovation and that we rent to corporate groups, and we have about 20 to 30 weddings a year, and most of those weddings are destination weddings where they come for a full weekend or a full week. Uh, Joe came to my wedding at Camp Nuevo a couple, a uh, year and a half ago, which was a destination wedding. And so bride and grooms will zip line and paddleboard and then say, I do. It's like a dream. Well, it was certainly my dream. That was the, the wedding that I had. So I, it's nice to hear of camps that are thinking, um, thinking of creative ways to do income. What did you call um, weddings and catering? What did you call it? Uh, UBI, which is our unrelated business. So ah. it's actually for profit um, right. that we run that. And we have a full catering company out of our kitchen. Right. And we actually had another camp director ask us, who do you use for your catering company? Who does that? And we're like, the Camp Nuevo team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty amazing. So we, we're proud of what we've been able to do with rentals yep. in an economy where school group rentals just aren't bringing in enough of income course. to keep you operating year round. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Well, listen, it's a, it's a great panel today, and I'm really excited about it. And I want to thank Laura for giving us the, the topic. Um, I think it's a timely one, and it's certainly one that I know this group has put a lot of thought into. So, Laura, why don't you tell us about what you wanted to talk about <clears throat> for today? Well, the, my, I think my favorite part of the day at camp is um, when everybody is winding down at night um, and you kind of gather back with that family core group that you sleep with, uh, your cabin group, your tent group, whatever it is, um, and you're able to kind of sum up the day together. Um, and I think for a lot of kids, it makes the whole experience real, um, being able to relate to staff as well as other campers and say out loud what um, was important or, or the light bulbs that went off during the day for you or, um, you know, your highs, your lows, your, your, your big moments, um, as well as your failures, being able to kind of have a space to share all those feelings. Um, I think it makes the camp experience so that's what makes the camp experience so different from um, other places that work with kids. Um, and I know each camp has a, a very unique way of uh, doing that. Right on. Right on. And, and I definitely want to start there. I want to talk with kids and how we can teach our staff to be that intentional about it. I also want to make sure that we end up thinking about how we can apply that um, bigger experience to the staff as well. So uh, I'm excited to get that stuff going. Uh, Paul, for you folks, um, I'm just guessing, but I suspect you probably have the most number of campers of any camp represented here. Um, 170 at a time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and so for you and your role, uh, how do you then get your staff to think about the intentionality of that? And how do you pass that, um, that down? Or is that even something that's important to you folks? Well, it, it, it's, it's when you guys presented me with this topic, it was interesting because it, it is one of those things that for us, gets wrapped up in tradition right. uh, as this older camp. Um, we have what amounts to a really wonderful debriefing exercise that happens in almost every cabin and tent almost every day. Uh, but nobody knows it's an exercise and nobody, <laughs> like, nobody knows that it's supposed to, you know, it's part of the intentionality of it. Um, as far as most of our campers and staff are concerned, it's just a tradition that we do at camp. Um, and it's called Rosebud Thorn. Uh, and every night, um, it can be either, uh, before we get into bed or, or, or after we've gotten into bed, whatever the counselor wants. Um, everybody shares their rose, their bud and their thorn. The rose is something that you're, uh, really happy, um, uh, about what happened that day. The thorn is something that was hard. Um, and the bud is something that you're looking forward to tomorrow. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's super, super simple, uh, in terms of what the kids experience. Uh, but it does it, it does accomplish uh, that uh, that wrapping up um, and that um, sort of turning experience into meaning uh, that that debriefing can really do uh, and and it's, it's it's beautiful we love it yeah and do you are you able to trace how far that goes back or is that just one of those things that feels like it's always been uh, so it's before my time, um, uh, I've been at camp for 12 years, but I, I imagine it wasn't uh, something that we did in the 20s or 30s. It no. probably ha- you know happened uh, uh, you know at some point uh, in between. I don't know exactly when. Right, and I would say um, what I the, the thing I like from the way that you're doing it for wins is um, also that that thing about what I'm looking forward to. Often, if you're just people would be used to doing a roses and thorn things, which is sort of positive and negative, and you're never too sure that the positive outweighs the negative in that discussion. But by giving kids the, something to think about for the next day, um, you sort of move them into you know thinking forward. And I, I really like that model. It's great. Yeah, you, you kind of force two out of three positive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, of, <laughs> a little bit of there, uh, which is uh, uh, which is useful. Right. Sure. Right on. We did. With staff, we don't have the opportunity to get with them every night um, because they're in with their kids. Uh, we do have a staff meeting once a week. And one of the things that we have done more intentionally, I'm sure you all have had the experiences of staff meetings spiraling out of control. Uh, and and we've um, what we do is we open every staff meeting with what we call kudos. And they uh, have an opportunity to, uh, to, to publicly praise each other uh, for something that they saw uh, somebody do well. And we let that go on like as forever. Right. We'll let it go on for as long as they want it to go. Uh, and then right after that, we have what we call the nag bag, which we really, really limit. It's the, it's the here's your chance to like say your negative things. We want them to be short. We want them to be constructive, get them done. Uh, and then we move on. And it starts, it starts off every staff meeting with a huge dose of positivity and a quick, effective dose of negativity, and then we just get into the business of the meeting and right. go to bed. It's nice. Right on. Joe, is there something formalized at Pierce Williams for wrapping up the day? It's funny listening to people talk um, <clears throat> because when the initial topic came, debriefing your day, it's a it's it's not something that as Paul we don't call it that. But the more I hear Paul and Laura both talk, we 
because we're a Christian camp, it's it is built in in the idea that at the end of the day you have a we have a vespers. So after campfire, we have a campfire every night. Kids are only here for a week. Um, we have vespers, which sort of quiets them down, and then they go back to the individual cabins and have um, evening devotions or cabin devotions with their staff. And so there's an opportunity there for staff to to teach a bit about um, God and and also to talk about the day and where the day is going. We don't have a structure beyond that for it, but we do have that vespers for, as Paul said, for staff meetings. Once once a week, we have an, a staff devotion that happens. Um, and at our staff meetings, we at the end of the week, we do something. We found that um, highs and lows or rosebud thorn, those things can take a long time. And at an end of week staff meeting where you have a very limited time frame, even if every person in the staff circle takes two minutes and there's 30 of them, you're talking about an hour of your meeting being taken up by, um, by you know, highs and lows. And so what we switched it to, it's got to be three years now, we switched it to something called Sweet Yeah. And so essentially what they have to do as a staff is they say one memory and it's like less than 10 words, right? So it could be, you know, um, seeing, Re- seeing little Rebecca dance at chapel and then everybody in the circle yells at them, sweet, yeah, and then it moves on to the next person. And we burn through... 30 to 40 people in about five minutes or less and then we get on with the staff meeting and 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 what we always encourage is if you want to follow up with that memory you go and talk to that person but a lot of times all you need is you don't need someone to explain that memory because once they say that other people are like oh yeah yeah i remember that too right so um that's where we've moved i i've always believed as a camp director travis that running a christian camp it's easier to to do the debrief or to get people talking about something because you all are there for, should be there for a common purpose. And I find that when I've worked at, um, at private camps and, and non-Christian camps, you have to work a lot more on building that purpose in versus having it already pre-built for you as they're all there because of something to do with God versus they're all there for the kids. That's awesome. But that means different things to different people. So I, I have found it easier to have these um, these things built in for in a, in a Christian camp setting than in another camp setting. Gotcha. Um, Jalisa, what's the the culture of connection like at Noego? We do an intentional nightly debrief called Evening Thoughts, mm-hmm. similar to Joe's uh, Evening Discipleship. We believe that you have to schedule this into your camp, so we schedule it into staff training. And like Joe said, prepare for it to take a considerable amount of time if you're doing it with the whole staff. We have a book of evening thoughts examples that we provide to staff, as well as model multiple examples of what this can look like. And we tell our staff that your objective during your 15 minutes or 20 minutes of evening thoughts is to debrief the day and front load for tomorrow. That's mm. your goal. Yep. So we've used Rosebud Thorn. We've used Weather Report. One of my favorites, too, is it's called Tweet the Day. And so you pass out yeah. little sheets of paper with, like, the Twitter icon, and the campers have to summarize the day in 140 characters or less. And then they use, like, hashtag Monday or hashtag Tuesday. 
and the counselors will make like a Twitter board in their cabin. And what a great picture opportunity for a camp director when you're doing cabin inspections to take a picture of that Twitter board and blog out to parents yeah, yeah, yeah. and your daily updates. We've also used what was your Lady Gaga moment because we're an all-girls camp. Um, and so we'll pass around like a giant ice cream cone or a crazy hat and we'll say, what was your moment today where you went outside your comfort zone? You did something a little crazy. Um, and uh, if, if you didn't have that moment, where was a time you wish you had done that and you limited yourself? I also think it's a great opportunity to use props, yeah. which I'm a big fan of. So one of my favorites is the half and half mixture of sugar and glitter. Uh, which reacts really nicely with a campfire. Uh, but fair warning, if you use this magic fairy dust mixture, your campfire looks like a My Little Pony massacre for a couple weeks afterwards. Um, so rental groups will be like, what happened here? Uh, but we'll have the campers like throw a pinch in per person, and they'll say, uh, I'm going to dream about this today. You know, like whatever happened great today, this is what I'm going to dream about tonight. And my wish for a cabin mate for tomorrow is... So they'll make a wish for another person. Um, so I love props like that. Anything like flash paper that reacts with fire or um, any any kind of delightful fire explosion is always great for kids. Any excuse to use flash paper, in my opinion, makes it worth being a camp director. <clears throat> That's one of those things that I wish they had an Amazon um, subscribe and save for flash paper. It's like, yes, yeah, send me another box of 103 yeah. months. That'd be great. Thank you. <laughs> be awesome. awesome. Um, so lots of lots of places to, to go. So thank you all for for sharing and getting us started on on this. Um, Laura, you said as part of uh, I don't know if it was part of your travels of camping coast to coast or part of your summer experience last year where you took teens in a van. But you said you'd collected a bunch of great examples of things for staff to use specific with the camper. So let's let's limit this to to working with camper group and okay. we'll pull back into the staff group from here. Okay. Um, yeah, well, one of the things that we noticed, uh, Jack and I, when, when we were traveling was that um, some camps do one thing every night and they get really, really good at it. And it becomes kind of the touchstone where all campers know, like, there's that cabin chat at the end of the night or there's the Vespers or the debrief. And it's the kind of the same thing. Um, and then other camps did, um, I think more like Jaleesa is talking about, um, an activity that's catered to that specific group when that counselor and that counselor might have like a mixed bag of things that they pull out. Um, so some of those that we saw were um, the everybody sits around in a circle and there's three people in the middle and everybody else closes their eyes and the three people in the middle have to go around and tap three other people on the shoulder who um, you might get advice from or tap three people on the shoulder who um, help you feel um, like seen and heard or tap three people on the shoulder who you would want to take on vacation with. And then you kind of, everybody has a chance to be in the center of the circle and it's, it's a, a way of doing affirmations. That's a little bit more anonymous. Um, um, we saw, uh, at camp tall tree, which is the camp that Scott and Sylvia run, um, for kids with autism out in Michigan, they do a, a bead ceremony where each camper, every night passes around a bag of beads and selects one bead out of the bag and talks about like their bead moment of the day, kind of like the, their big takeaway and then puts that bead on a string, which they attach to their walking stick, which they carry around all week. Um, uh, I've seen camps do, um, 
things from uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, when we were working at Camp Seymour, I had a counselor who did a funeral for the word I can't. And she yeah. took her, her 12-year-old <laughs> girls into the woods and um, everybody wrote down um, a phrase starting with the words I can't. And yeah. then very ceremoniously, they dug a hole and in a, you know, a tin box, they buried all of these phrases <laughs> and then walked away kind of um, feeling more empowered um, from there. So, uh, again, using props and being really creative with, um, like, how, to, how do you sum up or reflect the day um, in a way that's going to, like, stick with you, I think. That's awesome. I, um, I, I've seen and done as a counselor, um, the I can't funeral and it is a really impactful moment. Um, there's, I just thought of a, a cool way to, to take that from that moment to, to something that, you know, take it from camp to that wider world. And, um, I love to think of ways that we can, um, give kids those tools to take home. And one thing, this is just, just come to me now that, um, there's a thing, and I forget what it's called, for making fire starter where you take cotton and you you burn it, you put coals on top of it inside a tin can, and then it becomes, and that process has a word. Um, if anybody can think of what that is, you just have this browned, basically charcoal made out of cloth, from cotton cloth, that you keep in a tin that you can add to tinder and then helps burn. So we can't come up with that word. That's fine. Um, <clears throat> but look at that process. It's really cool. But if you had those kids do um, write that on a like bandana sized thing with colored marker, then um, you put that all in a tin and then you pile coal on it and you let the stuff go and it'll all turn black. But then it becomes something to start a fire with later to move to take that home. So you give everybody kid a little Altoid sized can of um tinder in effect for for starting a fire from moving from that moment into you know i can to i will or i can to i shall um to you know i can't to i shall um what a cool idea yeah the takeaway piece from that is powerful right on i'm gonna break that down um there's my uh, my next tool of the week so thank you for that laura for inspiring that um are there so um, we've all had? Um, I believe Travis, just FYI, it's called char cloth. Char cloth. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for googling that. <laughs> um, we've all had a variety of camp experiences. Have there been other things you've seen that aren't necessarily going on for your at your camp right now, but something you've seen in the past that um, that you want to that what you want to share? I've seen Florida 4-H, so shout out to Neva Baltzell's amazing program. They do their debrief called Milk Mamas and Milk Daddies, yeah. which is an unfortunate name, but a delightful concept. And the leadership staff take chocolate milk and cookies and go to the cabins. So the cabin counselors don't lead the debrief. It would be like your unassigned leadership staff who don't counsel, whoever those people are in your world. And they come into the cabins to do the debrief. And as one of those former leadership staff, it was such a great way to get a pulse on camp and get a connection to kids, which you don't get in that next step. So I really love that example. I've also seen a, a day camp run where they do their daily debrief, which can be really tough for day camp to get that same feel as the evening time debrief. 
And they gave the kids like a sweet survival bracelet and they taught a different knot every day. And so the kids would tie the knot on their bracelet and each knot represented a skill they got that day at day camp. And then they sent home at the end of the week a list of what the knots were to the parents and what each knot represented. Right on. That's so great. So that, that concept of the, the resource staff person in cabin groups, um, we did that when we were directing and we called that person, the grandparent, um, cause they'd come in have fun and leave the, the, the counselors to put the kids to bed, but they could always be that, that resource to the counselors. Um, and it was really a great thing. Some staff took it to amazing places. Um, but, but at least it was a connection with another, you know, the next generation older, not generation, but then, you know, the next group older, those kids get connected to an older resource staff person. Um, and also I think for those resource staff to feel, um, a true connection to kids instead of just, you know, cycling kids through climbing wall or whatever, it's just a group of kids that they can have a real relationship with. And that does lead to those moments of honesty and, and connection that I think helps kids feel at home and helps the staff really, um, <clears throat> really feel and understand their purpose. Paul, is there anything that you've seen in your travels that, um, that you, that you like or always, thought of yeah i've been thinking sitting here thinking about uh and it's not an activity per se but um i came to summer camp through wilderness tripping uh and uh and and four winds has a a trip program and and i think it's so important to take advantage of that last night of a trip uh that um if you've got a multi-day any any sort of multi-day wilderness trip that last night uh, is an opportunity to sit around the campfire, hopefully if there's not a fire ban uh, out west, uh, yeah. and, um, uh, and do some sort of debriefing activity uh, because that is such a, a hugely powerful moment of, uh, of accomplishment. But if you wait until the actual exit day of the trip, there's too much going on. Uh, you've got to get in a van. You've got to get back. You know, sometimes there's a tradition, like you go get ice cream or pizza or on the way home or whatever it is, uh, and, and, you, and you've, you can't have that debriefing moment. It's got to happen on the, you know, the last night when you're, when you're still out uh, in the field. And I've had some of the most sort of powerful uh, debriefing moments of, of my career uh, in that setting on that, on that last night, and that's a, a key time to make sure you're taking advantage of. Right on. How about for you, Joe, and all of your camp work? I I think that it's something that I don't, you know, I, I don't put a lot of thought into anymore because it just sort of gets built into everything I, I think about. As a, you know, if I was to talk to a group of new counselors, I would say that, that that is what's the difference between making you a camp counselor and making you a memorable and amazing camp counselor is can be those five minutes at night with your with the whole cabin group or can be right the time talking and making sure that you're listening to what how people are are breaking down that day and i i can you know i i encourage that to happen through um any variety of methods and and i love all the methods we've learned today but i can't think of any specifics to add right now okay okay um there is so one of the things that I talk to with clients and in most of my presentations is about the value of one-on-one connection at camp and that um, 
that that is so important for a kid to not feel like they disappear into the group or to, you know, they disappear into a dining hall full of screaming kids, but that there is one person who recognizes them, knows them, knows their name, et cetera. Um, one of my worst experiences of that was going away on trip and um, being gone for 10 days, coming back and seeing a kid from the church where I grew up at this camp and talking to his counselor. This kid was a lot younger than I was. Um, and just talking to his counselor after the kid had been there for five days, talking to the counselor and saying, is that David Chesney? And the counselor being like, oh, that kid, I, I don't remember his name. Five days. He didn't know of the seven kids and eight kids in his group, he didn't know a kid's name. And that just cemented in my head how much we have to drill that in that the one-on-one, it can't just be a part of the group. They need to be one-on-one. And, and I think there are lots of moments for that. So this big end of the day debrief is really important, but having a connection with each kid every day, just 30 seconds walking a place where they are not cabin eight or, you know, cabin white pine. Um, but they're just one kid from that cabin with their, with a staff member is essential to getting kids to come back. It's a get essential to them feeling like they are connected to a place. Um, and so that kind of connection and debriefing is just a checking in sometimes for counselors, that's kind of awkward. And I would even go so far as to spend half an hour in training and say, here's the, here's the social script for you. Like when you have those moments with these kids where everybody's walking and singing, you have one kid kind of dragging behind, um, then take that moment and ask him these questions, you know, who's your best friend at camp? What, what's your favorite thing to do? Um, just some sort of get them talking and make them feel like they've connected. And that, that really is essential to, um, a good experience to a kid for me. Um, Paul, do you guys do the, the key log ceremony? We do. Uh, we do it at the end of the summer. We, well, for a long time, we've done it at the end of the summer for staff. Right. Um, and uh, talk about Joe's thing where it can go on a long time. Oh, my goodness. Right. Um, uh, but um, we've actually recently started to do it uh, with our oldest campers uh, on one of the last nights of our we, – we have a four-week session. So it's not the last night of camp, but the second or third to last night. I can't remember. Um and uh, it's gone well. Um, I think it's one of those things where um, when, I mean, camps uh, borrow each other's traditions yeah. liberally. Uh, and, but the actual manifestation of that tradition at a particular camp always has a little bit of a different feel. Uh, and for us, the way the Keylog uh, ceremony has played out um, has been... Uh, incredibly powerful and and uh, and deep for staff. Um, the senior campers, it, it's good. It's variable. Uh, they're not quite ready to go at so deep, uh, but but it's still it's still good for them. Right on. Um, so um, the keylog that I've seen, and and I don't know if this is what it looks like at Four Winds, but the keylog that I've seen is um, have a, a gathering campfire to let the fire go down to embers, and then give people a chance to put a log on the fire and say a thank you to somebody for something that they've done for them this week. Is that echo what you guys do, or yep, that something is. that's happened uh, for them over the summer? And the that is what we do. The idea, of course, is that you know, as you know, the fire sort of rebuilds from those embers as people put on their um, logs. Uh, 
the symbolism has diminished because our staff thank each other for so long mm. that, 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 that the fire doesn't quite rebuild. Right. Uh, so um, we, we sort of mentioned, hey, this is the symbolism that's supposed to happen, right. but you, know, you guys talk, you guys love each other so much that uh, you have a hard time letting the fire take the center stage. Right. Uh, but but yeah, that is the idea. Right. Uh, I've seen Keylog. Um, in Wisconsin at Camp Nabagaman and they do weekly and so it's um and I think what that what they've been able to get out of doing it weekly is I'm sure the first week it's mostly very senior campers and staff um, but then as the summer goes on the younger kids get used to the idea they, you know get comfortable in that space that's created every Sunday night and um, and then you know are willing to stand up in front of people and drop a login so maybe they don't have it for as long um, but they have worked a way to get the, the the younger kids to express some thoughts about the about the time there yeah we have a uh, uh we we give out jewelry we, we have a gypsy theme at four winds and we call it gypsy jewelry and there's different levels of it every time someone gets a piece of gypsy jewelry it's uh it's the same sort of ceremony we surprise the person we sing a song everyone says something nice about the person receiving the jewelry they get to pick a song um and it's over and um, occasionally when staff get jewelry uh especially if they're not a cabin counselor there's a move to have only staff come to the ceremony uh, because that's who their relationships are with and, right. uh, and so forth. And, I, and we, we very much understand that impulse, but we really push against it because even if the campers don't say those incredibly deep, powerful things, them being present to see yes. staff say it, yes. it's so important. Yep. Uh, and, and there's so much to be gained there. And, uh, uh, and so I think that sort of concept of having people who aren't quite ready to say those things publicly be there, uh, and, and, and learn from that, uh, is, is an important thing. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and we've often talked about, it's important to show the community, how we treat each other with respect and how we honor those who've gone before us and, you know. I think it helps people set goals for, you know, I want to be that, that kind of person. Um, so one other thing I was going to add in about um, debriefing with kids and the experience that, that I learned over time is that in, the, the, in setting aside a time at night for this conversation, I think it's important to help your staff to set them the, the mood that you can't just jump into bare your soul or talk about something that's difficult. Um, and we always, you know, we'd often tell, tell staff to read a story just to quiet people down or um, play some music and sing, whatever it is that would quiet those kids down. And I also, in the same way Jalisa had a prop, um, I really like the idea of, and to have seen work really well, the idea of some sort of focusing tool. And... Um, you know, I what I used to do in that moment was sit on the floor in the middle of the cabin and stand up a flashlight and um, blow bubbles across it. And it was just sort of the way that the bubbles lit up in that little beam of light was just one little focusing thing to establish a mood. And also after you've done it for a few nights, it, it's a signal. Like everybody just shifts quicker into the mode of, of doing that. Um, does anybody else have any other things that they've done or that they teach just to, to get kids to that place? I think you're really right, Travis, the idea of <clears throat> like creating a ceremony around it and a ritual around it. There's um, 
it's like that that touchstone memory piece where like again it's the signal to the rest of the group oh we're moving into this like kind of separate time from the silliness that sometimes is is all of camp um i i have a a slightly tangential but related story um I've been able to, in the past few weeks, accompany this woman who's a, a community activist. She works a lot with restorative justice, and she goes into the school system and does basically what we do at camp in this reflective time, yeah. but with kids and teachers. Um, and it's been amazing for me, coming from a camp background, to see how powerful it is in a setting where that doesn't happen very often. Um, there's the the kind of tears from seventh graders and their teachers when you're for me I, when she was describing it to me I was like oh wh- you know of course that's what you do that's how you relate to people but it's so foreign to a system that's not from camp so what they have done um, in the schools is you uh, to create like a centerpiece that everybody kind of adds something to and then yeah. you feel like there's um there's something that you all connect with that's inside the center of where you're sitting. And that touchstone of, um, I'm a part of the circle physically sitting around it, but also, um, like the, the values that I hold represented in this object are also in the center of the circle. Um, and that has, that kind of allowed everybody to, to stay involved, even if they weren't talking. So, um, yeah, it was a a signifying tone setting, mood changing element. What sort of things would kids add to the the object in the center? Add to the grouping of things um, in the center. It was called their their talking piece, um, and they added things like um, their grandpa's dog tags or um, uh, pictures of mom and dad, baby blankets, uh, stuffed animals, um, things that they'd made, yeah. um, things that they'd collected. Yeah, it was it was pretty moving. It was like show and tell, but it had a really serious element to right. it. Um, that was kind of cool yeah right on one of the things that comes to mind when when i listen to this discussion about other things to keep kids connected is the actual origin of the raccoon circle that jim kane has popularized with dr tom smith right is that um the the idea of connecting kids in a circle and giving them something to touch and and we do that at camp as well there are every Every two to three years, we give every staff member a raccoon circle as part of their toolkit. Um, and it just really helps kids connect and, and talk about things when there's a, when there's a, a cabin group that has issues. Oftentimes, they'll, they'll work through it in, while they're holding on to a raccoon circle, giving them something, which is a piece of climbing webbing that is, you know, about 15 feet to 20 feet long, gives them something to touch and hold. And, and even those kids who don't, communicate verbally are still part of the circle at that moment in time yeah well you know i said that we would talk about how we debrief with staff um but we've managed to talk for 35 minutes about how to do it with campers and i'd like to just maintain that focus for this show so let's let's commit to to bring this group together to to talk about how we do different kinds of debriefing with staff. i think it's a great topic laura and so thank you for, for helping us think of it today. Um, if there's any other thoughts that have come up for anybody, it, now's the time or I'll move us on. Yes, Laura? I have one closing thought. I, yeah. Um, at Try Things Camp, we're going to see about doing a different way of um, solving conflict mm. uh, and a different way of addressing kind of 
the interpersonal conflicts or the conflicts with like the community at large at camp. Um, and I think what, um, using this the powerful moment at night of this debrief time, we're going to model it. Um, the structure and the ritual and the ceremony surrounding it is going to be the same for when there are conflicts. So we're going to call the time at the end of night circle time. Yep. Um, and the idea of a circle um, being a tool to solve conflict in a community. So this is actually a Canadian it started in Canada, but the a restorative justice circle used by First Nations people. Yep. Um, and the concept of uh, sitting around in a circle, bringing the um, the victim or the and the perpetrator or the you know all the different names that are involved in that, but um, and a circle keeper into the space, and then using that to address um, the hurt and and heal rather than finding blame. Um, so hope, what I'm hoping to do is take this moment at night and, and um, uh, create a, a way for it to be not a, a scary thing for kids to call circles on others then throughout the rest of the week. So right. um, it kind of normalizes it in a way that will make it um, accessible for kids to use as a tool to solve problems and conflicts um, during the session. That's right on. Um, and Laura, you had a, a resource for that? Yeah, um, I'm reading this book called Peace, Peacemaking Circles from Crime to Community, and they give a, a great outline of um, how, to, how to structure a setting and create those ceremonies and rituals um, so that people feel empowered to bring up their grievances in a way that will be, um, you know, heard on a deeper uh, level as a, as a whole community. Right, right, right. Great. Well, thank you again for the discussion, everybody. Some great thoughts on Laura for the idea. We will come back to um, debriefing with staff and, and how to give them a moment in a day or a moment in a week where, um, you know, they're <laughs> conscious of, of what's going on at camp um, instead of just surviving it. And uh, so I really look forward to that discussion and, and hope to have the four of you back for that. Um, what I want to say before I move us on to the next section is um, to thank those of you who are watching on YouTube and encourage you to subscribe, uh, but also to those who are listening while you're driving or walking the dog or um, in all those places that we've heard from people um, listening to us. In fact, that's such an awesome idea. While you're listening to the show, post something on Instagram and tag Camp Hacker and uh, I'll share it with these folks. We'd love to hear where people are, are listening to the show and see where that is that you're listening. So please do that. Um, what I was going to say is if you've got some valuable stuff from this discussion or from past Camp Hacker podcasts, then I would be really grateful if you would just go to iTunes and leave us an honest review. If you're listening on the Stitcher app, then uh, please do so there. It helps us just get the word out to to other camp pros who, uh, you know, would in, appreciate learning from the the four people who have gathered here today with me to share stuff. So, um, to make that easy, you can go to um, campacker.tv/itunes, and it'll open right up that spot to do that. So, thank you for a great discussion. What I need to do now is move us on to the tool of the week. Tool of the week. For those of you who are just connecting with us the first time, um, or you're a second or third time listener, we do do the tool of the week every time as part of the show. Um, we ask that each person who comes as a panelist brings to us 
part of this discussion, a something that helps them be a better camp director or um, to make their camp better. And um, so we're excited to do that and talk about the tool. Paul, I'm looking forward to hearing what your tool is this week. Uh, yeah, no problem, Travis. Uh, my tool is strategic planning, uh, which when I first heard this word or this phrase, I definitely thought it was something like, you know, synergy uh, or one of these, you know, nonsense corporate words that uh, that were really annoying. And, and, and frankly, the exact reason why I wanted to be a camp professional and not be in the corporate world. Uh, but I promise it is not. It is a, a super, super useful tool uh, for any kind of organization where there's sort of multiple uh, decision makers and, and players. Um, in, in my particular setting, we've got a, a board. Uh, of 18 people. Um, and we're also running a business where stuff comes at us that we uh, um, don't always plan for. Uh, and um, what strategic planning does is it centers you on uh, your real your purpose as an organization, your strengths, your weaknesses, uh, your values, uh, the opportunities and threats that are out there. And then you kind of go through that process with a, with a group of the key decision makers, and then you come up with a handful of goals for the year. Uh, and, uh, and those goals for the year are all tied to your reason for being uh, and, uh, um, and, and the sort of conditions on the ground. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you've got your map for the year. Uh, it, you don't have to get distracted by um, you know all the the uh, the different things that are out there. Um, somebody smarter than me, um, you know, said um, you know something about um, uh, you know if you've if you've got lots of priorities, you actually don't have any priorities. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, you know that that, um, that, that setting up those um, those handful of goals, you know, four or five real. Sub, sub, you know, substantial goals for the year uh, and focusing on those and honestly forgetting most everything else unless uh, you know, it's a real emergency uh, uh, leads to real palpable measurable growth in an organization and for somebody who answers to 18 people yeah. uh, it also removes the uh, politics and the different priorities and the uh, um, opinions that you know come at me uh, fairly regularly, uh, and so uh, I highly recommend the process. In terms of how to do it, I would recommend a book uh, called Beyond Entrepreneurship um, uh, by uh, Jim Collins uh, and uh, William Lazier. Um, it, 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 that book does have a lot of corporate examples, so if that turns you off, just be prepared for it. But you can't ignore it, uh, and um, that's a good one. I would also I, I would ask around and, and look to see if there's somebody from the outside that can come and help be, um, uh, you know, sort of a facilitator for that process. Um, we had a, a gentleman that helped us. I don't want to share his name because it's sort of a retirement passion project for him and I don't want to advertise if he doesn't want to be advertised. Right. Uh, but you can ask around. Um, ACA is a good resource. Uh, there are people out there that can help you do this. Uh, and it does help to have that outside voice come in and help you uh, with that process. Great stuff. Thanks so much, Paul. No problem. Uh, Joe, how about for you? So my tool this week is something to do with winter, which we're all hoping is over for this year. Um, but it's called the Snowcaster. And I originally, I forget where I originally saw it, but it, essentially it is a, a blade um, that is, the one I own is 36 inches wide, but it's on wheels and it's like a snow pusher. So for an inch or two inches 
to snow, light snow or heavier snow, it's really easy to, to walk behind this and it's an angled blade so it acts like a snow plow and pushes it off to one side. The great thing is when you get to the far end of a sidewalk, and we have six foot wide sidewalks here at camp, about 2,000 feet of them. Um, when you get to the far end, you flip it over, and it's hard to explain. I can't explain it on an audio program. Um, you flip it over, and the, it's still pushing the same way. So you, you don't have to walk back down to the other end of the sidewalk to keep pushing the snow the same direction. Right. It is a, it's a tool I bought for about $100 Canadian on Amazon, and I just thought, for our new sidewalks, if this works, it's great because light snow, you don't want to get a snow blower or a snow plow. And it is, it's magical when you use it. Anybody can use it. It's like pushing a push cart. It is, it's magical to see how fast snow leaves. And this is one of those tools that we don't use every day, but the days you need it, this will solve the problem much faster than anything else. Right on. Thank you, Joe. Paul, do you guys ever get snow? On Orcs Island? Very rarely. We haven't uh, once or twice a winter. We actually haven't at all this winter. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but Joe's tool will be great for many of us. I, I've just a little side diversion there because that's where my <laughs> head goes sometimes. Um, so, Julissa, what's your tool? My tool of the week is called Classy, which is a crowdfunding peer-to-peer uh, -peer event registration and website donations all under one roof. You can find it at classy.org. And for a free membership, which many of camps, um, that's what you'd be looking at, you can do two campaigns at a time. So you could do like your scholarship donations and your capital campaign fund. Uh, there's a 5% transaction fee. You get one administrator with that. It's very mobile friendly. Uh, we use a, a monthly pro membership, which is about 500 bucks a month, but we do all of our event registration uh, through Classy. So we've got like an upcoming Mother's Day brunch with three seatings that sells out every year, and we take all of the payment processing through this form. But it's just so easy to use. It's so like clean and delightful, very easy to track your donations. We had a massive auction a couple weeks ago uh, called Camp Nuevo into Moonlight, where we raised about uh, $20,000 in one night with like auctions of like gift baskets, and we took all the payment over this system with multiple computers going at once all on this system. So it's called Classy. We're a big fan of it. If you're trying to do a lot of online donations and you want a way to do it not on your site that's really safe and protected, uh, we recommend Classy. That's amazing. Thank you very much for that. Um, Laura, what's your, what's your tool? Um, <clears throat> my tool of the week is uh, felting. We um, discovered this craft project when we were at Camp Augusta, um, and it, they said, was their most popular craft for multiple summers in a row. And they have some incredible um, you know, facilities on site, um, including glass blowing, lamp working, um, blacksmithing. Um, really high dollar program areas, um, and this, which is pretty cheap, um, was was their was their favorite. So basically, you take raw felt, um, which looks like this, and you you poke it a, a bunch of times with a pretty dull needle that has barbs on it, um, and it takes whatever shape you're looking for. So I'm a big advocate of um, kids having a chance to make things at camp. I think that. Um, 
that is a, a powerful tool. Um, and so this is a very simple, anybody can do activity that doesn't cost a lot of money um, and I think is going to be a hit this summer. Right on. Right on. Is there, have, are there places that people can learn it? Yeah, if you type um, felting into Pinterest, mm. um, you can put pretty much any word behind it and, and yeah. get a, a huge list of stuff. Felting beginner, felting uh, animals, felting kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Right on. Um, so my tool of the week is a book um, by James C. Humes called Speak Like Churchill and Stand Like Lincoln. There we go. Um the um it's it's not new it's an older book um like 20 years old but it has some interesting lessons for people who do do public speaking which really includes all of us um in whether our conferences or in our role as director and uh i haven't finished it yet but i'm even in the the halfway through it i found tons of great insight into into public speaking and uh, might be something that i would give as a present to a young staff member who you could tell loves to be involved in training or wants to get more involved in training and may not have the confidence or even somebody who's great at it and wants to get better so um a really great book that I'm really enjoying, and I thought that would be good for this group. Um, it, it Camp Professionals is a good, good tool. So that gives us everybody's tool. Uh, so I want to indeed again thank everybody for being here. Thank you to those who are watching on YouTube and um, listening on your smartphones. Um, I want to thank my guests for being here. Joe, if people have some follow up questions for you, where can they get in touch with you? Um, the best way to get in touch with me would be to email me at at camp or at my yoyojoe.com is my my own website and what I do. But you can follow all of that we do at camp and get in touch with me there. And the website there is campisbetter.com. Right on. Thanks for being here, Joe. Yep. And uh, Laura, what's the best place that people can uh, get in touch with you? Um, go ahead and email me at laura at campstompingground.com. Um, you can also contact me on Facebook um, or uh, all of the social media platforms at, at campstompingground.com. Right on. Or at campstompingground. Yes. Laura, thanks for being here and for the topic. And uh, Jalisa, how, about, how can people follow up with you? You can email me, uh, Julissa at campnuego.org, and Julissa is spelled J-A-L-I-S-A. They can also find me at campnuego.org. Great. Julissa, thanks for being here. Yay. (laughs) Paul, how about you? Uh, You could email me at paul at fourwindscamp.org. Fourwindscamp.org is also our camp's website where you can find out all of our stuff that we do and you can find all my social media stuff at paulsheridan.com excellent well thank you if you um want to see our tools of the week or even more episodes of the show please go to campacker.tv slash podcast um and we'll give you the links to the to the tools there that we've been talking about and um, as i say all the past episodes if you have enjoyed the show and want to more of your camp friends to see it then i would encourage you to go to campacker.tv slash love um and that'll give you something to put out a suggestion for what to put on your on your twitter to get some other people listening to the camp hacker show 
Um, I really do appreciate those who um, who listen and watch the videos. It's uh, always wonderful to run into people at conferences. Um, just finishing up conference season now, and and uh, always funny to have that experience of people like, "Hey, I know your voice." Um, and so to all the people who said hello at conferences this year, um, we're so grateful that you spend the time and and say hello and 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 tell us what you'd like or or don't like about the show. Um, it's an honor to be able to present this to you and uh, that it's had an impact on on people in the camp world is obviously our intention, but we're, we're grateful that we've been able to do that. So thanks for joining us and thanks for the evening, friends. The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.